welcome to episode 28 of the Oxfordshire Teacher Training Podcast. This is the start of our third season and I'm absolutely thrilled to be sitting down this morning with Kelly Woodford-Richings. Now Kelly is the director of the Basingstoke Alliance skit, but more importantly for us this morning, she is the author of the latest of the Essential Guides for Early Career Teachers that regular listeners to the podcast will know we featured many of the authors of these in the past, including Oxfordshire Teacher Training's own Patrick Garton, our director, who did one on behaviour, and Sally Price, who did one on wellbeing. So Kelly's is all about using cognitive science in the classroom. So Kelly, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. So your book begins with a series of important questions that I hope we're going to address during the podcast. Let's start at the beginning. What, what do we mean by cognitive science? And in particular, what's cognitive science in relation to teaching and learning? I was using the kind of cognitive science informed principles as a science teacher for many years without really realising it. And then I read Daniel Willingham's Why Don't Students Like School? And it's like an epiphany to me. It kind of made so much sense about why the students were getting so much out of using, doing things like retrieval practice, although I wasn't calling it retrieval practice. I could see how they're growing in confidence using these techniques. And in reading Daniel Willingham, it just kind of gave me the idea of the working memory and the long-term memory, how we transfer information between the two, why it's important that we keep practicing things to make them transfer between the two. And it just made so much sense in terms of teaching and how students using things like retrieval practice really helped with that. What my understanding of cognitive load theory started to become is about, I was kind of using the, the technique, but then by reading Daniel Willingham, just really concreted it in my head. This is absolutely the way to teach. And what's really important to me, and I hope comes across in the book, is that's the techniques in the book and what the not just the techniques I'm I'm training my teachers to use with their trainees but it's the techniques I'm using with them during their training so very much so that overwhelming feeling as a, a new teacher a trainee teacher they're trying to take in so much knowledge everyone's talking about schemes of work and they've got no idea what schemes of work are they've got all these acronyms coming in from all directions and that their, their working memories are overloaded so my approaches with them are very much and through the book that we visit an idea we took a theory behind the idea we talk about some practical strategies and top tips how to do those ideas but then later on in later chapters we keep coming back to those ideas we keep revisiting and coming back to it so the trainee teachers are experiencing it for themselves so they're more confident we do whiteboard work they've got I bought them all many whiteboards in central training we do I do retrieval practice with them about okay give me some your behavior management strategies give me three ways to do retrieval practice you know who's your safeguarding lead <laughs> we just say we do all this retrieval practice with them and it's making them much more confident in terms of practicing those ideas and rethinking about those ideas Daniel Williams um my favorite phrase of his is why do, uh, sorry memory is the residue of thought and that's something I train the trainees in that we have to keep thinking about things to remember them long term and make them part of the practice and, and as a trainee teacher it's really important standing just in standing in front of 30 kids but you remember the first time when you do that as a trainee teacher is absolutely terrifying you can't even think about the subject content that you want to deliver to them but actually by making them really confident really confident by revisiting ideas it's in their long-term memory and they find those things much easier for people who are listening to this podcast when it first comes out um involved with oxford teacher training you'll only need to think back to uh earlier this week so last week when you're listening to this when we were uh, focusing on memory and uh, we actually had a really close look at um, aspects of some of Daniel Williams work including trying out some of those very ideas about what we mean by thinking really hard and how that's important. 
having the theory behind it, I think it was a really powerful punch in terms of understanding why you're doing it. And there's so much literature out there that tells us how we can do it. And um, Kate Jones's books on retrieval practice and retrievalpractice.org, all those, there's so many good and learning scientists, so many good things out there that can give us the tools to be able to do it. But so in terms of teaching and learning, there's so much out there that we can use. Yeah, we've, we've been we've been thinking a bit about cognitive load theory. And you mentioned that earlier. So for many people involved in uh, initial teacher training, you'll know that famous quote that Dylan William came up with a few years ago when he said it's the single most important thing for teachers to know. Um, yeah. So I suppose we ought to just perhaps just just have a little bit of I know you talk about it a bit in the book as well, but um, you know how does cognitive load theory help us to understand and address that issue that working memories are limited? We've got that limited capacity in our working memory and it can get overwhelmed. Where might you recommend uh, trainees and early career teachers to turn if they want to find out more about say cognitive load theory? I'm absolutely Daniel Willingham because what he does is he uses examples that you can really relate to. So he talks about when you go um, on holiday and you're in a foreign country and you're trying to decode a menu and you're trying to deal with currency and you're trying to find out how which train to catch, you feel exhausted because your your mind is working so hard. You're taking in so much new information that, that you feel quite overwhelmed and you're exhausted and things like learning to drive which is an example I talk about during the, in the book as well. Learning to drive, the first time you do it, it's absolutely terrifying. You're trying to figure out where the buttons are, what do I do with my feet, my hands, where am I looking, what's going on around me, I'm listening to the instructor. But now we drive to work and we don't even think about it. You've done it, you've practised it so many times. And it's just that lots of examples of Daniel Willingham of that your working memory and its finite capacity. And the fact that actually we've got, we're not very good at thinking, as humans, we're very, very curious but we're not very good at thinking. Mm. But actually, our long-term memory is infinite. So we, we know, and my favourite example is the, the, the song lyrics thing. You just think back to, sometimes it comes on the radio. Obviously, it doesn't apply so much to younger people. But when you're in your 40s and you hear a song on the radio that you've not heard for 20 years and you find yourself singing along, these things get embedded in your long-term memory because you practised it when you were younger. You heard that song, you sang along, and you remember it. And the, it's infinite. And that's, that's a beautiful thing to have knowledge of. And that's a beautiful thing for me to communicate with students is that you can do it. We just need to practice. And giving them those concrete examples with students, I mean, really, really explicit. That's what I train my trainees with. Be really explicit with why you're doing retrieval practice. Don't just keep putting five questions on the board and going through it. Tell them why you're doing that because that's what builds them up. And, and then they realise they can do it and they understand why they can do it. And I used to joke that with uh, my students that you'll be in an old people's home telling me all about ironic bonding you'll be forgetting how to put your trousers on but you'll still be able to tell me how to do ironic bonding because you've practiced it so many times and I think that's a beautiful thing that's a beautiful thing we can arm ourselves with and arm our students with that actually you can do this and to me it's not about exam success at all it's about changing mindsets of students who say I can't do maths you've got these really strong health beliefs I'm in the bottom set I can't do maths and actually by doing practice like such as um, using a teaching and learning informed by cognitive science and research informed pedagogy actually you can prove to them over a period of time that they can and that feeling of watching that gear change in the heads of I can remember miss I can remember, I've got it, Miss. I can remember that. And that's that's really special. Those are the moments of teaching that are my favourite. And it's nothing to do with what grade they're going to get in their GCSEs. It's about actually by using these practices, we give kids confidence that you can do it. You just need to practice. I wonder whether listeners could actually hear the smile in your voice when you were, <laughs> oh, you were oh, yeah. talking about that. And particularly when you were talking about that moment where, which, you know, hopefully we all get where we've got the child who doesn't understand something and then they get it. And that kind of light bulb appears there as they're, they're working their way through there. Now, obviously, 
one of the things that you've thought about very carefully in, t- in terms of putting the book together is is thinking about a series of, of reflective tasks all the way through. You know, the book is peppered mm-hmm. with um, examples of case studies and reflective tasks. Just interested to know why why you felt that would be a really appropriate method to use for, for this book. Memory is the residue of thought. It just keeps coming back to that that really fundamental idea that if we think about things and we think about them again, we think about them again, they, they become embedded in what we're th- you see the purpose. Um, and and I, I used a couple of really random examples in the book. I'm trying to think, what can I do? And I talk about bonsai in a tree. And how would, if you were given a tree and you had to bonsai, how would you prefer to do it? And trying to make the reader really think about, okay, what would I need? Trying to put them in the position of our students who are in our class and we're trying to look, teach them. And we think because we're passionate about our subject, that's, that's necessarily going to be enough. But actually, what, what do you need? You need the expert in the room to guide you through the process introducing in small steps they can't just give you a powerpoint with loads of information on they have to do right now do this now do this and then how to how would you feel about it is that kind of idea that it's just trying to put the reader in the shoes and making them think well how do you feel but it's that human first teaching is is it kind of what I think makes my book a little bit different what I think my tick makes my teacher training a little bit different is that there are so many so many excellent thick tomes on assessment and differentiation but actually framing it all in this human first teaching which is an idea that the the term Jazz Amplifar who features in my book she introduced me to this phrase you're human first and a teacher second and that comes through and when you combine that human first teaching showing children how much you care about them as individuals and using that Theodore Roosevelt phrase of they don't care what you know until they know that you care then behaviour management comes easier, then they buy into your pedagogies that you're using. Everything comes neatly together. Think about your favourite teacher. What were they like? What impact did they have on you? Why did they have that impact? Because that's, as a trainee teacher or an early careers teacher, that's what you're going to be doing. I think I think you've, you've touched on a really important point in that. So you've, you've, you've put a whole chapter about human first teaching um, into, into your book that, you know, as you say, you know, there's been an awful lot written about so many techniques and, and strategies and principles that we should be thinking about. But ultimately, unless you're actually able to engage with, with the children that you're working with and get them to trust you and respect you, then it's not going to happen. And so that that's a really key part of, I think, what makes the book a success is, is the fact that you're, you're, you're not turning it into a, a dry academic piece you're, you're framing it with within the idea of that it's that you know a book about cognitive science can't just be about cognitive science yes you can have it as a book but the purpose for you when you're thinking about using it in the classroom is is framing it within the bigger picture of what's going on so within Oxfordshire teacher training people who work with us regularly will know that we have seven core um, areas that we think about and and all of those core areas integrate together to make this effective uh, curriculum and you can't just pull one of those out and say we're just yeah. going to be thinking about that one thing on its own for, for people who are listening to this when the podcast first gets broadcast which will be in november 2021 the books literally just come out at the very end of last academic year so in july of 2021 um the eef the education endowment foundation published a review of the evidence of cognitive science approaches in the classroom um i just want to show a little bit of that first but then we'll, t- we'll talk a little bit about that and how that kind of dovetails in with with um with what you you've been looking at in the in the book and I know you referred to the to the um, review in your book as well so in the forward to the EEF review Becky Francis says there's still many questions to be answered on how principles from cognitive science can be applied in order to make the biggest positive difference for all young people we need to know more about the effectiveness of approaches when used in different subjects phases and their impact on disadvantaged pupils 
Um, and then it goes on to kind of present two findings, two main findings. One is that the cognitive science principles can have a real impact on the rates of learning in the classroom. And there's value in teachers having working knowledge of cognitive science principles. And then the second thing is that the, the evidence for the application of cognitive science principles in everyday classrooms is currently limited. And there are uncertainties and there are gaps about um, whether it can be applicable to, to all subjects and all age ranges. And I think it's interesting for us just to talk about that a little bit now, whilst we've got this opportunity of, you know, rather than thinking of this as a negative, is, is thinking about this as a, a potential opportunity. And I know it'd be lovely to hear about some of the things <laughs> that you're doing um, at the Basington Alliance skit um, in order to kind of address that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a scientist. Um, I, I had a career as a scientist before I became a teacher. And you do have to have more evidence. Just because you've got some evidence saying one thing for some particular subject, you're right, we need to have that across all the different phases and the different subjects. And I'm really in favour of collecting that data and seeing what the outcomes are, because the, the, the data is limited. These are, these are quite new things coming through. Rosenstein's been around, obviously, since 2012. But actually, the schools I work with, lots are very new on the journey of using. They're coming quite late to the party. So these are, these are new things to a lot of teachers. And we absolutely need more evidence to really con- give, really, I, I hope, <laughs> I really hope that across all subjects and I hope across all phases, that these principles actually show that children make more progress if we employ them in our teaching and learning strategies. Um, that's my hope. And if it doesn't, then then we we, we think again. But I, I'm, I'm pretty confident, based on my experience of using these techniques, seeing how the transformations in children, I'm pretty confident we're going to find really good evidence, which is great. Um, and then just you mentioned about my trainees themselves. Um, I've been doing the job a year, I took it on last September. Um, and their second assignment, the trainee's second assignment, I changed to one around cognitive science. Now, I, I'd obviously been being mentally enthusiastic about cognitive science and form principles and telling all the stuff about Daniel Willingham, Rosenshine, it was like coming out, oozing out of me. Yet when they wrote the second assignment and I read their second assignment, it, their second assignment was try something, do a little piece of research yourselves using either dual, uh, a cognitive science informed pedagogy. So try something out. So think about I'm going to use dual coding or think about I'm going to use retrieval practice with interleaving and spaced practice. Try it on a class, do some pre-assessment, use the techniques, evaluate it. And when reading them, it was almost like they had these epiphanies of it really works, that feel of I really believe this now. And that was the point, a switch when they realised actually I can see the benefits in my classroom of using these pedagogies and I'm not just doing it because Kelly tells me I have to mm. um, <laughs> and that, that was something special and we've just launched assignment two for the trainees for this year and I'm really again looking forward at Christmas to reading through Pretty and cool. seeing how they're really using that and, and that kind of theory into practice and what it looks like in reality and the impact on their children. Yeah and, and just, just just for, for my benefit um, is this across a, a range of um, primary and secondary? Um, no it's just secondary but it is across every subject. Across every subject and so that's that's an important thing to bear in mind is that um, anyone who's already uh, delving in more deeply to this so for example if you're an expert mentor working with us um, you'll probably know that that a lot of the material that's around at the moment will, will say cognitive science approaches are particularly appropriate in subjects like maths and science um, it. it might be a bit harder to try and use some of those approaches effectively in other subjects. I've watched it. I observed a PE lesson. It was a fantastic PE lesson yesterday. And it was a practical lesson outside, but they had whiteboards and they did retrieval practice before they started. It was a how long should a warm up be? What's a dynamic warm up? And the children were using the whiteboards. Really good 
so in really practical subjects, you, you, yeah. it's very applicable as well. Just to mention that, that, that there was the EF report that came out um, mid-October um, mm. and that around CPD in schools. Now, that, although it didn't, it said in the report, it, this doesn't isn't necessarily about teacher training. It was about how to improve CPD within schools. I read that and felt really confident because basically that was saying we have to give the theory and then we have to give the teachers an idea uh, sorry a chance an opportunity to use that theory but then we have to revisit that idea and we have to revisit that idea and revisit that idea which is essentially kind of retrieval and in fact that the next the next episode of our podcast is going to be around cpd um it's one that we actually recorded just before the summer so it's so it won't refer to this the, the new october um, report although i'll probably put a link um in the show notes for that one um i'll, I'll pop it in for today as well before we finish for today although the title of your book is Using Cognitive Science in the Classroom. I Hopefully it's, it's come across very clearly as well. You're, you're covering rather more than just, just that. And I wanted just to finish off with, what would you hope a trainee or an early career teacher is going to take away from reading your book? I would hope they take away. So I think there's a lot that teachers do with students that don't make explicit. And I think I was a good teacher and I'm using, you can't obviously see me, but I'm using my fingers to kind of do the good teacher thing. I was a good teacher. It's because I just made those things really explicit to students. When when I ask my trainee teachers or early career teachers, why do you want to do that? And inevitably there's some essence of, I want to make a difference. Mm. I care about children. I want to see, you know, but we don't tell the children that necessarily. We don't stand in front of children and say, I really care about you. I love being here. You're valued in my classroom. We don't necessarily really communicate that. And things like the cognitive science in, informed principles, we don't necessarily communicate why we're doing that. And the book is just gives strategies about how to plan lessons, how to manage behaviour, all kind of framed in this human first. If we If we really think about what we're doing, actually that makes teaching which is a really difficult profession and you have classes that are difficult and you have parents that are difficult but actually there's so many positive things that fit in with your why you're doing this this Simon Sinek idea visit your why first think about your why why did you want to do it and if we we focus on that actually teaching becomes much more rewarding and actually feel much better equipped to deal with those bad lessons and that's that's kind of the idea there are many many books on planning lessons there are many books on how to do really good assessment there are many books on behavior you know I reference them all those ones but making the early career teacher thinking about the why coming back to the why why are you doing this reflecting and then giving them the strategies practical strategies actually this is how you plan a lesson this is how what you should do about behavior bubbled by this in a human first teaching way Absolutely. And then, of course, also bubbled around the idea that, that, that cognitive science is, is something that we need to know about. So, so as, as teachers, whether you, so if you're listening to this you're a mentor um, and you're thinking about, OK, what, why, why, why do I need to know about this stuff? We, we really need to know. What is, of course, important there is, is making, that, making that point that unless we understand how memory works, unless we understand how we've got this kind of infinite capacity in our long term memory, but our working memory is the bit that we've, we've got to get right in terms of, of the teaching, you know, that that movement between the two so so things being taken into our working memory and then actually being able to be then pulled out of our long-term memory back when we need to use those 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 kind of things um, and I think you've co- covered lots of things in here this book is uh, you know I really recommend people read this book um, to kind of provoke yourself into thinking about okay how how could I go about using some of these techniques in in the classroom but but much more than that think about this as you know, it is it's much more of a holistic book than some might be. Obviously, some of the, the essential guides in this series do narrow in very much more so on on just one aspect of teaching. But this, this is this is one that will, will give you more than that. So, if you if your initial thoughts are oh, cognitive science, 
I, I don't think I need to read something about that. There's more in here than that, so do do have a have a read. We'll, we'll make sure that there's links to to all of that in the in the show notes. So Kelly, thank you so much for finding time. I know you're off to observe some of your training. Yeah, I'm really excited now. Yeah. Straight away now, um, and I'm off to, to to teach a lesson as well. And I shall be using some retrieval practice. With you. <laughs> Glad to hear there and making sure I'm not generating cognitive overload for students um, as I go through there. Wonderful, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, have a wonderful day. Thank you very much for having me. That's a pleasure. Thank you, take care.